better than Disneyland to be here. And I mean that for a lot of reasons, uh, but it's not a lie, you guys. I'm so thrilled to be here um, just because I said I would. You guys know my daughter's here tonight all weekend. Where's Kaya? Kaya, take a bow. Stand up. You got it? Oh, come on. But I love you so much. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't, you know, she, later when I'm driving away, you'll hear this echoing through the trees. I love my daddy, daddy, daddy. <laughs> she loves me. She loves me. Uh, but no, okay. We'll get into it. Grab your Bibles. Please open up with me to the book of Daniel. All right. It is a hard one to find, so be patient with yourselves. Help each other out. You can cheat in the front with the table of contents or whatever. Um, but if you get to Psalms and Proverbs, you want to keep going to the right a little bit. You'll hit like Isaiah and Ezekiel and then uh, Daniel. Okay, it's a, it's a small book. If you get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you went too far. Um, but I don't know. I remember. I didn't start reading the Bible until I was almost 20 years old. And uh, I remember being the guy standing around like, open your Bibles, and I would just flip through the whole thing twice and then pick a spot and pretend like I was where I was supposed to be because I couldn't find it. So if you need help, ask a friend. If someone asks you, be friendly. Um, but while you're turning, look, find someone near you and just look them in the face and tell them, God wants you here. <laughs> it's true. God wants you guys here. Now, there is an awesome theme through the book of Daniel you guys are going to discover, but he was a fighter but never had to fight. It's pretty awesome. He was a fighter who didn't have to fight, but tonight we're going to be looking, if you guys are note takers, holding fast from the beginning. Hold fast from the beginning. You guys ready to pray with me? All right. God, we just rejoice in your goodness, your favor, Lord. The buses made it up safe. The food was warm. We're indoors together. But, Lord, it's not an accident. You truly, Lord, you don't just want us here, generally speaking. You want to do something, Lord. And Lord, we ask right now in this moment, Father, this weekend will be filled with fun, excitement, rest, food, but that this moment would be nothing but yours. We want to dedicate it and give it to you with our hearts and our minds attentive to your word. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. amen. All right. So we're going to read three different segments of just chapter one together, okay? And we're going to get a pretty good picture of what's going on in young Daniel's life because he's holding fast from the beginning and the first thing you've got to know about is his family. First thing you got to know about Daniel is his family. His family, naturally speaking, like mom, dad, brother, sister, family. And then his family, nationally, as an Israeli, as a Jew, his culture, his background, everything. He had his natural family and then his national family. Pretty cool stuff and significant to the first fight he has to make without actually fighting. But the thing about his family is that it was very stable. Daniel's family was very stable, but his nation was not. And let me explain that, okay? The family background, Daniel was rather young. We don't know exactly, but, you know, he wasn't super old, like 30 or something. Uh, he was probably in his 20s, maybe even teens. Could have been you. We don't know when this moment happened, but he grew up 
with his family, and his family was very committed to God. I don't know about you guys, if your family's super committed to God, or maybe you were brought up here with a friend and your family doesn't know God at all, that doesn't matter for you that God wants to do something with you right now. But Daniel grew up in a very committed home. His faith had to come from somewhere. He knew God, knew the traditions, knew what was expected of him, and it was infused into him since he was very, very little. I don't know if you guys like big words or not, but Daniel would have been very monotheistic. And you're like, what is that word? It just simply means this. They believed that there was one God, only one God, and no other God, and they had the right God. That it wasn't uh, all of these different gods. You didn't worship many, many, many gods that oversaw many, many different things. It was the one true living God. And Daniel grew up with all of this being infused into him. He knew the Old Testament. He knew his Bible. He knew the traditions of Judaism. He knew the living God. He believed that there was one way of living, and that was living in a way that pleased the Lord. Uh, He was culturally, and his lifestyle was distinct. Now, look, I don't know about you guys. I always wish I had a little bit different ethnicity flowing through my veins. I want some mariachi music going on or something. I want want some, like, traditions in my life. Um, Yeah, but you're white. Like, so? Only on the outside. I can be whatever I want on the inside, right? But Daniel had his nationality defined, and they had some pretty awesome things going on. And he grew up uh, observing the feasts and all of the different celebrations that were normal to Israel and those of Jewish descent. He grew up with a very distinct lifestyle and background. They observed every six days they'd work, they'd do all their crazy stuff, but day seven was special. He'd probably get in trouble for playing too much because he was supposed to rest. He probably got in trouble for maybe trying to work on something he wasn't allowed to. It was a wonderful day of rest. The whole family would have been together every seventh day for his entire life. It's important to note they would have eaten very special things and not eaten certain things. Okay, no shellfish, no pork, all this kind of stuff. Their diet was very, very regimented because that's what God had prescribed to them through the Old Testament. Like, why are you telling us all of this? It's going to matter a lot in a moment. And in their culture, mama meant a whole lot. Mama, you guys ever see Wreck-It Ralph? Remember when he's getting ready to go into that first game when he goes rogue and there's that uh, female commander and she's like, it's time to make your mama's proud time. And he's like, I love my mama. He would have been standing there like, I love my mama. Like he just, man, the Jewish culture loved their mom, loved their God, loved their family, observed the rules and were absolutely committed to their faith. Now, one more thing about Daniel is that he was probably of some kind of noble descent. He was well off. His family was influential, and he would have enjoyed that kind of lifestyle for now. But remember, while his family was stable, his nation was not. You're going to hear about a guy in a moment named Jehoiakim. Try that name on for a size. Say Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim. All right, you guys are good. Jehoiakim. Oh, man, this guy was terrible. He was a bad, bad leader. Uh, Bible describes him in 2 Chronicles as being probably the worst leader Israel ever had. Uh, how'd you like your name to go down in the Hall of Fame as being the worst? Like, oh, my gosh. But Jehoiakim was possibly the worst king that ever ruled over Judea and Jerusalem. He did evil. The Bible says this guy, he did evil in the sight of the Lord. 
and he did detestable things. Like what? There was a man named Uriah who came preaching righteousness, and he was rejected. In fact, rejected and threatened, so Uriah ran away, and then Jehoiakim sent people, hunt that guy down, drag him back into my kingdom, and they did. Then he cut him down, killed him, and threw him into a ditch like a common peasant. Bad dude. God sends Uriah. Jehoiakim says, well, I'm not going to deal with this, and he kills him, and he dumps him. Uh, Jeremiah, you guys familiar with the book of Jeremiah? You've at least heard about it. He's one of the prophets of the Old Testament. He's got this scroll. He's been hearing from the Lord. He shares. And could you imagine as I uh, sit here and read to you guys in a moment, and we read together, that Pastor Joel's up here, and every couple of verses he pauses me, comes over the knife, cuts it out of the Bible, and throws it in a little fire and burns it up. He says, okay, keep going. I read more. He's like, I don't like that part either. Cuts that part out, throws it in a pot, burns it. And we just keep going all night long until the whole book of Daniel's burned up. That's what Jehoiakim did with the book of uh, whatever it was. Jeremiah, thank you, sir. That he would read it, nah, nope, cut it out, burn it. Read it, nope, cut it out, burn it. I mean, this is a bad guy. But see, bad guys don't do very much, not for long, because Nebuchadnezzar rolls into town. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was young, newly empowered. His predecessor was losing uh, vitality. And he had something to prove, and so he conquers the land, takes Jehoiakim, and then reinstalls him as his own puppet to do Babylon's bidding. And the last name you'll hear is Ashpenaz. I think that's how you say it. Ashpenaz. Yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> he was the chief of the eunuchs. This guy was pretty awesome because he was from the bad guy side, but he was willing to think normal. He was willing to consider truth. And tonight, I just want to ask you, of all these different characters, could you at least be like Ashpenaz? Maybe you're not super down and clear on what you believe about God, that you're not sure about your background and your family and your heritage, but tonight, could you at least be like him and consider what's put before you? If you are like Daniel, you have this rich heritage, then tonight, God is going to ask you to stand firm in that for the rest of your life. Now, change is interesting because it affects people differently. I don't know about you. I remember going from elementary to junior high. That was going to happen. You're not going to stop the progression of time and education. I remember going from my, middle, or my elementary school into middle school and getting lost, trying to find class, switching classes every hour. What is this? I got lost. And then in high school, I got lost again. It was crazy. You're not allowed to hide classrooms on the outside of the school. That's messed up. But there's things, you agree, thank you. <laughs> okay. There's things that change that we have no control over, and it's awkward. Daniel is going through a radical change that he has no control over, and it creates some very strange, difficult things. Daniel was a young man, good family, but his nation and leadership was weak. He enjoyed the upper-class lifestyle, but is about to be taken captive, physically assaulted. He has no hope of having his own family ever. He's in a strange land that did things different, ate things different, believed things different than he had ever experienced. Let's give it a read. In Daniel chapter 1, first seven verses. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, 
Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. He overtook it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, this bad king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants, right, nobility, and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of the time they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego, or Abednego. It was amazing. He grew up in a good home, but a broken land. I don't know about you, but I feel like some of you guys might have a good home, but we all seem to be in a very breaking land. There's change happening, whether you like it or not. Things are good, whether you like it or not. Things are bad, whether you like it or not. That there's this interesting progression of life that doesn't really care about your opinion. You know, when's the last time someone took a survey and asked you what you'd like the world to be like? No one's calling me asking, David, what would you like today to be like? Today's just kind of going to happen. Well, I got plans, but I don't have control. Now, here's the deal. Uh, if you guys ever played war or dressed up in some kind of, you know, camouflage, tried to hide? I remember for Halloween when I was young. All right. When I was young, airsoft. Yeah, that's right. I'll take you out, man. Um, <laughs> I remember dressing up and put bushes all over my head and hid in the bushes and scared my mom to death when I was like eight or nine years old. It was pretty awesome. But if you've ever gotten to use something called night vision or infrared goggles, it is incredible. It will light up the night like it's daytime. It is pretty awesome. And there's things that are disguised and invisible until something intervenes. And in Daniel's life, there's two things. And in your life and mine, there's two things that are a little bit elusive and seem invisible. But tonight I pray that God will give you spiritual eyes to begin to see these in your life. Because they are hiding in the bushes, so to say, waiting to wrap themselves around you and choke out your faith. There's two forces, right? We looked at family. There's two forces that Daniel had to face, and there's two that you'll have to face. One was temptation. One was temptation, right? We read about it, that they were being given a portion of the king's delicacies. You guys maybe even been to a buffet at Golden Corral or All You Can Eat, and it's just like, man, this is awesome. Maybe it's Taco Tuesday somewhere, or your mom can just straight cook. Grandma can throw down. Good. Well, they were eating like kings, quite literally. The problem was it went against everything God had given to his people. This was different, not just because it was culturally different. It was different because it was against what God had asked him to do. 
temptation specifically talks about an internal pressure that's within your own mind and emotions. You guys ever deal with your own mind and no one else knows what's in there? Oh, yeah. And you got your own feelings going inside, whether they're good or bad, they're irrelevant, but they're there whether people know about it or not. That's temptation. Anybody ever want to hit their brother or sister? Uh-huh. Anyone ever going to take something that's not, I just do. We'll talk with you later. Right? You want to take something that's not yours? I've got that. I still get that. You want to be someone that you're not, you're jealous of something? We feel these things come up all the time. These temptations from the inside. Imagine right, a balloon takes shape because there's internal pressure. You blow into it, and because that air can't go anywhere, it gives its form and substance. For a lot of people, their form and substance, if we could see behind the eyes and beneath the skin, you'd see it's temptation that drives them. It's anger, it's jealousy, it's greed, it's want, it's fear, it's anxiousness. That for Daniel, there is this ability to, to see things that look really, really, really good. But he was told, don't touch that. Don't go there. What do you do with that? The first thing that he was to deal with was this temptation to reach out and touch. Mom and dad aren't looking anymore. He's in a new land. Yes, he's taken captive. He's been enslaved. He'll never have a family. He's owned by the king. But hey, mom and dad aren't looking. What about when mom and dad aren't looking on you guys? Would you hold fast? as from the beginning? Because not many do. A lot of people were taken captive, but only a couple stood strong. There's, in, there's temptation, then there's intimidation, all right? So first, look at your friend, say, there's temptation. Then second, intimidation. Tell somebody, right? So if temptation comes from the inside, like air in a balloon, intimidation is pressure from the outside. Look, think about this. Temptation is the pressure from the inside. you got to watch out for it. Intimidation is pressure from the outside. It could be a single person or an entire population. But they're trying to convince you that something is better, different, or normal that you previously did not think was better, different, or normal. Maybe you're playing with dressing different than you have, talking different than you ever have, uh, trying to fit in with people you've never really been interested in fitting in with before, that these things creep in and there's this draw and this pressure from the outside to be different than you've ever considered being. Just like clay. You don't blow clay up, you push it and you shape it and you mold it by external force. You'll probably experience a combination of both of these. And Daniel had both going on at the same time. There was alluring things that he'd never been allowed to touch and see and sample before. And now mom and dad aren't looking, but there it is. And, oh, man, maybe I'll just... And then there's the external pressure. Everyone around them, enemy and friends, begin to go down the wrong road. Only a few stood strong. People he grew up with, other people of noble birth, other captives that he would have been taken away with. He might have even played with them during school. He would have worked with them or seen them in the streets. Well, they're eating it. They're sampling it. They're embracing it. Maybe I should. Maybe you should not. It's often a mix of both. 
I remember experiencing a mix of both. I had a friend, thought it was a friend, which by the way, if your friend is trying to get you to do something that you know is wrong, they're not your friend. See, friends keep you from doing dumb things. They don't convince you to do dumb things. I had a friend in junior high, I thought they were my friend, convinced me, dude, skip school today. Like, no, that's stupid. Like 13, we don't drive, we don't got money, and right now I'm not in trouble, and at the end of this I'm going to be in trouble. What are we even going to do? I don't know. Skip school, skip school, skip school. So guess what I did? I skipped school. And you know how fun it was? I spent the whole day trying to hide from my grandparents. Literally underneath the bed. It was the stupidest, lamest day of my life. If you said, David, what was the biggest waste of your entire life? Oh, yeah, it was about eight hours. Hiding under the bed, hoping my grandfather didn't find me because he figured out which house I was at. It was the dumbest thing ever. Why did you do it? I knew it was going to be dumb. I knew it was wrong, and I knew I'd end up in trouble. Peer pressure. Little bit of internal temptation, a lot of external pressure. I've told this story to people before, not another one I'm proud of. You're only going to get two unproud of stories. These aren't fun to tell. But I remember going to my first high school football game, but I was in eighth grade. Same, same, same friend, actually. He was like, let's go. Like, okay. And uh, for some reason, and I can't really get into, there's a handful of people that super hated me. And they were in high school, so when you're like, you know, eighth grade and this tall, and they're seniors and this tall, and we're walking through the gate, trying to find my friend, I was alone, this dude walks over, I mean, he looked like Tyrannosaurus Rex. I'm like, oh boy, are you David Axe? Nope. <laughs> and he, it was so funny seeing a big dumb dude look confused, I was, I was trying not to laugh. Like, are you sure? You're not David? I was like, nope. <laughs> and then I ran away as fast as I could. I thought you were brave. Yeah, sometimes. Not those times. Stupid and weak is how I define those two moments. Guys, there's going to be moments you look back on, and if you're not careful, you'll say, that was stupid and weak. That was not strong or brave. You don't have to fall into them. You really don't. Many, many, many people will, and people you know will, but you don't have to. And Daniel figured out how to hold fast from the beginning. He's amazing, or looking at this amazing, exotic food, new customs, new normal. He's seeing people he knew go down that road, taking on a different life. But I wonder if he knew Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of a man brings a snare, a trap. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. The fear of a man, it means to respect or revere people more than you respect or revere God. When people get to either allure you away with temptation or intimidate you by external pressure, be very careful because the fear of man, it brings a trap. You'll be stuck. Whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. See, there are two different kingdoms in collision at the same time. There was the nation of Israel and the kingdom of Babylon, and they were trying to blend the two. The problem is you can't. And look, i got to ask you guys to be serious between you and Jesus right now. 
Are you or are you not a follower of Christ? A Christian, one who believes in Jesus and is going to follow him. You need to make up your mind. Either you are or you are not. There is no blending of an eternal kingdom and a temporary culture. It just doesn't work. And Daniel saw people blending the two, but really you're just forsaking one to embrace another. Daniel figured out how to stand strong. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. He talks about all this weird worldly living that's going to be a temptation and intimidation. It says, in regard to these, they, the not Christians... They get strange that you don't run with them in the same flood of dissipation or the same flood of sinful living. They're going to speak evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. So there's going to be people that make fun of you. There's going to be people that think you're weird and strange. You are weird and strange in their world, but you're awesome in God's world. At the end, there's going to be one who judges and separates. And either you'll be weird in God's world and great here or a little strange here, but totally awesome there. You're going to have to pick. The antidote, what's the antidote to fear, right? I don't know if you guys get fear, and I don't mean like, boo, that kind of fear. (laughs) Ah. But worry. What is the... The antidote to worry. How do you fix it? Easy. Faith. Faith is always the antidote to fear. See, there's temptation, internal pressure. There's intimidation, external pressure. But then there's God pressure. This is the good stuff. It's like, no, no, no. I don't have to cave to temptation. I don't have to give in to intimidation. I'm just going to be led by Jesus. Everything around us wants our attention, wants to be accepted and to accept us. There's pressure to change and become like somebody else all the time. You know what's awesome? God doesn't have to intimidate. He just doesn't. He takes us by the hand and leads. He doesn't force. You guys know what a cattle prod is? Cattle prod's awesome. See what happens at camp is you tell the stories you can't tell anywhere else. A cattle prod's about, I don't know, two and a half feet long. At the end, it looks like you'd be barbecuing with it. It's got a fork on the end. But you push a button, and a little electricity comes between the two. And when cows don't move, you give them a little Like, what? Does that mean? No, because they're huge. So it feels like, you ever look at a nine-volt battery? Is it? Like, eh. But sometimes we think God's walking around with a cattle prod. We did this to our friends when we were younger they'll run, and they'll move in the direction you want. You guys know, ah, it just doesn't feel good. It doesn't hurt at all. It just doesn't feel good. And people think that God's maybe not out to kill me, but he's kind of out there to make my life feel bad so that he gets me to do what I want. Wrong. It's not true. God doesn't get out the cattle prod and start zapping you and moving you through life. He wants to lead you in the direction of, of goodness. It's awesome. When you give into the world and let that lead, there's shame, regret, weakness, and stupidity. When you let the Lord leave, there's freedom, 
there's contentment, there's joy. Following the culture, right, you'll always be changing, always be changing. So what does Daniel do, right? He does not start a war. What does he do? He does not start a war, okay? Very important. So then, what does he do? He starts a conversation. He doesn't start a war. He starts a conversation. Let's take a look again. Daniel chapter 1, we'll pick up at verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested just a conversation of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king. Intimidation. Who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your face looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test. Test your servants. For 10 days, just give me 10 days, he says, and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented. He, he yielded to Daniel's request with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. Pretty simple. When the world says, hey, let's change things up. You don't have to start a war. You don't got to go to blows. You don't got to call people names. You don't have to run and hide. Just start a conversation. Daniel says, hey, you know, um, I, I just really don't want to go down that road. I just don't really want to do this. Oh, yeah, he wasn't in control, but he was committed. And that's all we have to do is commit and stand firm. That's it. Look at one of your friends. Tell them, you got to commit. And you got to stand firm. All right. Now, something pretty high up on my bucket list, right, meaning before I die, I want to go river rafting someday. Anybody ever been river rafting? Oh, Joel's been river rafting. You put a picture up. It's the first one. Leave that for a second. That's what I want to do. I'm like, sign me up. Like, what if you die? There ain't no such thing. If a believer dies, they keep living, so we're fine. Watch it. Oh, here. So look, here. But think about this for a moment. I want you to think about something for a moment. What causes that to happen? I mean, I've seen a lot of streams that don't look like that. You go to the next picture. Okay, those guys, I mean, they're, yeah, I want to do that too. We do all of it. The water is raging angry, absolutely chaos, chaotic. But what causes that? One more picture. It's actually the same group right before they went down. I think that's a picture. There you go. What makes all the commotion in the water? Is not the water. The thing making all the commotion is this thing not doing anything at all. The rocks are just like, yo, what's up? 
I've been sitting here since, you know, creation, and I'm just still sitting here, you know, since creation, and I haven't moved, you know, since creation. Guys, popular opinion, friends, and culture, and everything is going to come along at a different rate, at different times, in different directions, and they're going to hit what you believe. And it's going to stir things up. And then they'll look at you and say, why are you stirring things up? I'm just standing here. I'm just believing the same thing I've believing since the beginning of believing it. I'm just holding fast from the start. And for you and I, God's calling us just follow me. Well, what about just follow me? Well, what about just follow me? Be committed and stand firm. Stay faithful in the moment of opposition. Because you know, in all reality, dead fish flow downstream, okay? You got to be alive to go the other way. And so you and I might be called to go the other way sometimes, but at the very least, just to stand strong. Now, if you're anything like I was growing up, right? Are you David? Nope. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure right now I don't ever want to be David. Yes, that is accurate. Like, well, I'm not a, a naturally outgoing, strong, courageous, Captain America kind of guy. Right. And you're maybe, ladies, I don't know who the, the princess warrior is at the moment, but maybe you don't feel quite like that lady. It's all right. You don't have to change your personality. You just have to make up your mind to follow Jesus. There was a movie that came out when you were about two years old called Captain America. And you remember Captain America, this super scrawny little twig of a nerd? And in an instant, he's put in this capsule, doesn't do anything. And he emerges as the world's greatest superpower. You and I, if we would just step into the things God is calling us to do, he'll take care of all the rest. There will be a strength in your life that the world will know nothing of. There will be a faith in your life that the world could never change. It'll make you from scrawny to brawny, right? Oh. Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. For I am your God. I will, I will strengthen you. He doesn't tell you to figure out how to be strong. I will give you strength. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I love Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. He will not orphan you, the Bible says. But there was this moment of conviction to action. You guys are at an age, if you don't know this, this is your heads up, because you're going to go back Sunday afternoon and then be back in school or whatever your normal weekly routine is on Monday. And they're going to have no clue what God does up here this weekend. But for some of you guys and for all who are willing, God is going to implant in your heart, in your mind, some wonderful truths that he wants you to hang on to for the rest of your life. 
but when you go back, they won't know that. They'll want you to be like the things God asks you to give up today. They'll want you to be the same person you were this morning. And you have to make a decision. Either Jesus is the foundation of your life or not. The foundation. It's kind of our last thing here for a moment. The foundation. When did all this happen? When did all of this happen in Daniel's life? Well, you know, it was from the beginning. It was from the very beginning. There's the younger Daniel. You guys may know about Daniel in the lion's den. It's probably what he's most famous for. But what got him thrown in there was his willingness to pray. But Daniel 6.10 gives us insight. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, this contract and edict from the king, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. Remember hometown. I love my mama. Haven't seen her in a long time. Actually, I haven't seen her since they took me. Windows open towards Jerusalem. It keeps going. He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. When did, all, when did Daniel become Daniel? In the beginning. If you guys don't read your Bible, you don't pray much, guys, this weekend, talk to your leaders. Just give them a hard time, at least, in a good way. Like, hey, how do you read your Bible? How often do you read your Bible? Where do you read your Bible? What's your prayer life like? I Ask every one of the leaders, take a survey, and find out, and then go home and do it. It was the younger life of Daniel that was his foundation, and it was at the start of the trial, okay? When did this all happen for Daniel? When he was young and at the beginning. Daniel 1.8, we just read it together, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. He didn't sample it. Let me take some bites. Let me drink some drinks. Let me go hang out with the people. Let me check out this idol-worshiping thing. Maybe we have the wrong God. Let's check it out. From the beginning of the trial, he purposed in his heart. You know what's cool? To purpose something. You know, concrete starts off liquid, and you pour it, and over time it gets harder and harder and harder and harder. I pray this weekend your faith becomes as hard as granite. Because Daniel purposed in his heart. He made up his mind that whether I live or die, I will obey the Lord. That is what it means to purpose in your heart, to decide eternally. Now, just a heads up. You might be like, I'm doing that. Cool. Heads up. You'll fail from time to time. What? Yeah, you're human. Just get up, dust off the dirt, and keep going. Just don't fail big. Don't be weak and dumb like yours truly. How did it end? Let's end it. Let's end it. It ended with God's favor. It ended with God's favor. Verse 15. At the end of the ten days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh. That's a good thing back then. Than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus, the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were supposed to drink and gave them vegetables. Hooray for vegetables. <laughs> 
As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill and all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding and all visions and dreams. Now at the end of, now, yeah, at the, end of the days, when the king had said they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And he interviewed them, and he goes on to say that there was no one, no one like these. They were unique in every way. So what's going on? People always want to stand out, but don't want to do anything to stand out. If you follow God, he will give you great favor in your life. I want to point out two things and then ask you a question, okay? One, if you read the rest of the book of Daniel, you'll find out he was in captivity for the rest of his life. He never gets out. He serves under different kings and powers. He was never removed from captivity, but he was blessed the entire time he was in it. We will live under different powers and authorities throughout our life. But if you commit to God, you will be blessed while you are under it. It may be that some of you guys go back to a really hard home. God will take care of you. It may be that you guys are going to live in a crazy world 20 years from now. God will take care of you. Don't worry about it. Number two, by refusing to change, everything changed. By refusing to change, everything changed. So, you want things to change? Yeah. Then don't change. Be the rock planted in the river, and if it's got to make waves, it'll make waves. And if it doesn't, it won't. Alex, you guys can come back up. We're going to close and worship. But I do, I want to ask you guys the same question I asked you a moment ago. Are you a follower of Christ? Just in your own heart and your own mind. Like, What does that mean? What does it mean? There's two things I think that the Lord tonight would put before you. One. Do you know him? Have you given your life to Jesus? And I'm going to explain that in a moment. And I'm going to ask you if you want to do that if you never have. It's just a decision. It's like, hey, do you want ice cream? Yes or no? You've got to make up your mind. You want to go to camp? Yes or no? Do you want to follow Jesus? Yes or no? But it's a decision you make for the rest of your life. You guys understand your imperfections? You guys know you're imperfect? You fall short, you lie, manipulate, cheat, steal, you do all that kind of stuff. And even if your parents weren't watching, there's things you do. What are you going to do with that? Because you're going to stand before a holy God that's going to judge that stuff someday. The Bible says if you've sinned one time, that's all it takes for the judgment to be the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. It's hell. And there is no end. But God says, my heart is that you would not perish, but that you would have everlasting life. So he comes down and there's a, a deal struck. Jesus says, I'm going to come being fully God and I'll be just like them. I'll deal with the same temptations. I'll deal with the same intimidations. I'll, I'll, I'll go through everything they go through. I'll experience betrayal from friends, brokenness in life. I'll, I'll experience all of it. But I won't sin. I won't cave. 
And then right when it becomes time for them to die and receive that everlasting punishment, we're going to make a trade. I'll die on the cross. I'll take the death sentence. And can you imagine there's a file and all your crimes are stacked in this little file? You open it up and it's like the time you hit your brother, the time you kicked the cat, the time you cheated on your homework, the time you lied to your mom, the time you stole the gum, whatever. And you're standing there before God and he opens the file and there's nothing left. It's just one blank paper. Because Jesus took all the bad stuff you did, put it in his file, and he took his blank piece and put it in yours. He switched places. That's what the cross is all about. He says, I want to take it. And I want to give you new life. But you know, I could have a million dollars and I could set it up here on the stage and I could say, it's for whoever wants it can come and get it. You know what's weird is some people wouldn't come. And God says, here it is, eternal salvation, absolute forgiveness. But you got to get up and move. You can't stay where you are. You got to repent from your sins. You got to move away from the things that you know do not honor God and embrace the fullness of Jesus. It's a decision. It's 